0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another rendition of the Chase Life 720 podcast. I am your host, Chase Life, and today we'll be talking about uh, a book that I'm currently reading by Thomas Paine called The Age of Reason, Parts 1 and 2. Purpose of me reading this book is I I sat back and realized that uh, in high school, Global Studies, you know, they taught us or spoke on, you know, John Locke and, and Thomas Paine and Laissez-faire, uh, free market. Um, but they just they just glazed over it. I have no idea who these people were and just how, you know, in depth they, they made their point. Uh, so I made it a purpose to, uh, to go out and purchase the reading. Um, just a quick little background on John Locke. Excuse me, uh, Thomas Paine. I got John Locke on the mind. Quick background on Thomas Paine, uh, born in England, Deptford, England. Um, to a Joseph Paine and a Francis Cook, mother and father. Uh, born around 1736. And when we speak on free thinkers, uh, for you astrological buffs out there, um, one could only imagine that his Zodiac sign happened to be an Aquarius you know, being born on January 29th. Shouts out to the, the Aquarius gang here. Uh, I being January 31st. Um, I found that to be interesting, you know. He, as an Aquarius, was pushing this narrative. Well over 200 years ago. kind of want to just jump right into the reading. I don't want to prolong anything. Um, disclaimer, I am not the best reader. Um, so if you hear me stumbling, please try not to judge or do judge. Hey, you know, I should work on me if that be the case. Um, let's jump right into it. Chapter one, the author's profession of faith. Seems interesting enough that a uh, profession of faith here. Eh? It has been my intention for several years past to publish my thoughts upon religion. I am well aware of the difficulties that attend the subject and from that consideration had reserved it to a more advanced period of life. I intended it to be the last offering I should make to my fellow citizens of all nations and that at a time when the purity of the motive that induced me to it could not admit of a question even by those who might disapprove the work. The circumstance that is now taking place in France of the total abolition of the whole national order of priesthood and of everything appertaining to compulsive systems of religion and compulsive articles of faith has not only precipitated my intention but rendered a work of this kind exceedingly necessary, lest, in the general wreck of superstition, of false systems of government and false theology, we lose sight of morality, of humanity, and of the theology that is true. As several of my colleagues and others of my fellow citizens of France, have given me the example of making their voluntary and the individual profession of faith. I also will make mine, and I do this with all that sincerity and frankness with which the mind of man communicates with itself. I believe in one God and no more, and I hope for happiness beyond this life. I believe the equality of man, and I believe that religious duties consist in doing justice, loving mercy, and endeavoring to make our fellow creatures happy. But lest it should be supposed that I believe many other things in addition to these, I shall, in the progress of this work, declare the things I do not believe and my reasons for not believing them. I do not believe in the creed professed by the Jewish church, by the Roman church, by the Greek church, by the Turkish church, by the Protestant church, nor by any church that I know of, My own mind is my own church. I want to pause there as I'm reading that in real time here. Um, Protestants were doing exactly that, protesting against the Roman Catholic Church. But to say that you don't believe in any of the creeds Even the protesters of these churches and to state that one's mind is one's own church. Hmm. All national institutions of churches, whether Jewish, Christian, or Turkish, appear to me no other than human inventions set up to terrify and enslave mankind and monopolize power and profit. I do not mean by this declaration to condemn those who believe otherwise. They have the same right to their belief as I have to mine. But it is necessary to the happiness of man that he be mentally faithful to himself. Infidelity does not consist in believing or in disbelieving. It consists in professing to believe what he does not believe. It is impossible. I want to read that again. Infidelity does not consist in believing or in disbelieving. It consists in professing to believe what one does not believe. Hmm. It is impossible to calculate the moral mischief, if I may so express it, that mental lying has produced in society. When a man has so far corrupted and prostituted the chastity of his mind, As to subscribe his professional belief to things he does not believe, he has prepared himself for the commission of every other crime. He takes up the trade of a priest for the sake of gain, and, in order to qualify himself for that trade, he begins with a perjury. Can we conceive anything more destructive to morality than this? Soon after I had published the pamphlet Common Sense in America, I saw the exceeding probability that a revolution in the system of government would be followed by a revolution in the system of religion. The adulterous connection of church and state, whether it had taken place, whether Jewish, Christian, or Turkish, had so effectually prohibited, by pains and penalties, every discussion upon established creeds and upon first principles of religion, that until the system of government should be changed, those subjects could not be brought fairly and openly before the world but that whenever this should be done a relish, excuse me a revolution in the system of religion would follow human inventions and priestcraft would be detected and man would return to the pure unmixed and unadulterated belief of one god no more Pretty good opening there. Um, Okay, I I get the first chapter. Question of faith. I think I kind of understand. Uh, My mind is my own church. Um, As I've had a dilemma with this myself. I am an ordained minister. Um, However, I do not follow the conventions of normal church. um, As I myself do not believe in those creeds of uh, Jewish churches, Roman churches, Greek churches, Turkish, Protestant, uh, what have you. But maybe select pieces of such creeds as you know, most things that are used to manipulate have some form of truth in them, which are why they are such great tools of manipulation. Um, But because I can't agree wholeheartedly, I I have no particular denomination aside from one that I choose not to disclose. Um, Also, to state that those who do believe in those creeds aren't wrong. Yes, you are entitled to your belief system as I am entitled to mine. I will never tell a person that they are wrong, um, if they believe in nature as opposed to God um, as an entity, or if they believe in, you know, reincarnation as opposed to final destination of eternal happiness and eternal life. Um, Free will. We, we all have the ability to do to, to as we choose. Um, pretty interesting here. Chapter 2 of Missions and Revelations. Every national church or religion has established itself by pretending some special mission from God communicated to certain individuals. The Jews have their Moses, the Christians, their Jesus Christ, their apostles and saints. And the Turks, their Muhammad, as if the way to God was not open to every man alike. Each of those churches shows certain books which they call Revelation or the Word of God. The Jews say that their Word of God was given by God to Moses face to face. The Christians say that their Word of God came by divine inspiration. And the Turks say that their Word of God, the Quran, was brought about by an angel from heaven. Each of those churches accuses the other of unbelief, and, for my own part, I disbelieve them all. As it is necessary to affix right ideas to words, I will, before I proceed further into the subject, offer some observations on the word revelation. Revelation, which, when applied to religion, means something communicated immediately from God to man. No one will deny or dispute the power of the Almighty to make such a communication if he pleases. But admitting, for the sake of a case, that something has been revealed to a certain person and not revealed to any other person, it is revelation to that person only. When he tells it to a second person, a second to a third, a third to a fourth, and so on, it ceases to be a revelation to all those persons. It is revelation to the first person only and hearsay to every other. And consequently, they are not obliged to believe it. It is a contradiction in terms and ideas to call anything a revelation that comes to us at second hand, either verbally or in writing. Revelation is necessarily limited to the first communication. After this, It is only an account of something which that person says was a revelation made to him. And though he may find himself obliged to believe it, it cannot be incumbent on me to believe it in the same manner, for it was not a revelation made to me. And I have only his word for it, that it was made to him. When Moses told the children of Israel that he received the two tables of the commandments from the hand of God, they were not obliged to believe him. Because they had no other authority for it than his telling them so. And I have no other authority for it than some historian telling me so. The commandments carrying no internal evidence of divinity with them. They contain some good moral precepts such as any man qualified to be a lawgiver or a legislator could produce himself without having recourse to supernatural intervention. When I am told that the Quran was written in heaven and brought to Muhammad by an angel, the account comes to near the same kind of hearsay evidence and secondhand authority as the former. I did not see the angel myself, and therefore I have a right not to believe it. When also I am told that a woman called the Virgin Mary said or gave out that she was the child without any cohabitation with the man and that her betrothed husband, Joseph, said that an angel told him so, I have a right to believe them or not. Such a circumstance required a much stronger evidence than their bare word for it. But we have not even this, for neither Joseph nor Mary wrote any such matter themselves. It is only reported by others that they said so. It is hearsay upon hearsay, and I do not choose to rest my belief upon such evidence. It is, however not difficult to account for the credit that was given to the story of Jesus Christ being the Son of God. He was born when the heathen mythology had still some fashion and repute in the world, and that mythology had prepared the people for the belief of such a story. Almost all the extraordinary men that lived under the heathen mythology were reputed to be the sons of some of their gods. It was not a new thing at that time to believe a man to have been celestial begotten the intercourse of gods with women was then a matter of familiar opinion their jupiter according to their accounts had cohabitated with hundreds the story therefore had nothing in it either new wonderful or obscene it was a conformable to the it was conformable to the opinions that then prevailed among the people called gentiles or mythologists and it was those people only that believed it The Jews, who had kept strictly to the belief of one God and no more, and who had always rejected the heathen mythology, never credited the story. It is curious to observe how the theory of what is called the Christian Church sprung out of the tale of the heathen mythology. A direct incorporation took place in the first instance by making the reputed founder to be celestially begotten. The trinity of gods that then followed was no other than a reduction of the former plurality, which was about 20 or 30,000. The statue of Mary succeeded the statue of Diana of Ephesus. The deification of heroes changed into the canonization of saints. The mythologists had gods for everything, the Christian mythologists had saints for everything. The church became as crowded with the one as the Pantheon had been with the other, and Rome was the place of both. The Christian theory is little else than the idolatry of the ancient mythologists, accommodated to the purposes of power and revenue, and it yet remains to reason and philosophy to abolish the amphibious fraud. Pretty strong words. Um... Spoiler alert, would explain the attempt that was made on his life um, as he was nearing the, uh, the last stages of his life. You know, sounds like they waited till he was old and frail to try to knock him off. But uh, I could see how he'd uh, piss people off here. Chapter 3. The Character of Jesus Christ and His History. Concerning the character of Jesus Christ and his history, (laughs) character, nothing that is here said can apply, even with the most distant disrespect, to the real character of Jesus Christ. He was a virtuous and an amiable man. The morality that he preached and practiced was of the most benevolent kind, and though similar systems of morality had been preached by Confucius. And by some of the greek philosophers many years before by the quakers since and by many good men in all ages it has not been exceeded by any jesus christ wrote no account of himself of his birth parentage or anything else not a line of what is called the new testament is of his writing the history of him is altogether the work of other people and as to the account given to, of his resurrection and ascension It was the necessary counterpart to the story of his birth. His historians, having brought him into the world in a supernatural manner, were obliged to take him out again in the same manner, or the first part of the story must have fallen to the ground. The wretched contrivance, the wretched contrivance, I'll I'll go contrivance, with which this latter part is told, exceeds everything that went before it. The first part, that of the miraculous conception, was not a thing that admitted of publicity. And therefore, the tellers of this part of the story had this advantage, that though they might not be credited, they could not be detected. They could not be expected to prove it, because it was not one of those things that admitted of proof. And it was impossible that the person of whom it was told could prove it himself. But the resurrection of a dead person from the grave and his ascension through the air is a thing very different as the evidence it admits of to the invisible conception of a child in the womb. The resurrection and ascension, supposing them to have taken place, admitted of public and ocular demonstration like that of the ascension of a balloon or the sun at noonday to all Jerusalem, excuse me, to all Jerusalem at least. A thing which everybody is required to believe requires that the proof and evidence of it should be equal to all and universal. And as the public visibility of this last related act was the only evidence that could give sanction to the former part, the whole of it falls to the ground because that evidence never was given. Instead of this, a small number of persons, not more than eight or nine, are introduced as proxies for the whole world to say they saw it. And all the rest of the world are called upon to believe it. But it appears that Thomas did not believe the resurrection. And as they say, would not be leave without having ocular and manual demonstration himself so neither will i and the reason is equally as good for me and for every other person as for thomas it is in vain to attempt to palliate or disguise this matter the story so far as relates to the supernatural part has every mark of fraud and imposition stamped upon the face of it who were the authors of it ah okay forgive me who were the authors of it is as impossible for us now to know as it is for us to be assured that the books in which the account is related were written by the persons whose names they bear the best surviving evidence we now have respecting this affair is the jews they are regularly descended from the people who lived in the time this resurrection and ascension is said to have happened and they said it is not true It has long appeared to me a strange inconsistency to cite the Jews as a proof of the truth of the story. It is just the same as if a man were to say, I will prove the truth of what I have told you by producing the people who say it is false. That such a person as Jesus Christ existed and that he was crucified, which was the mode of execution at that day, are historical relations strictly within the limits of probability. He preached most excellent morality and the equality of man, but he preached also against the corruption and avarice of the Jewish priests, and this brought upon him the hatred and vengeance of the whole order of priesthood. The accusation which those priests brought against him was that of sedition and conspiracy against the Roman government, to which the Jews were then subject and tributary. And it is not improbable that the Roman government might have some secret apprehension of the effects of this doctrine, as well as the Jewish priests. Neither is it improbable that Jesus Christ had in contemplation the delivery of the Jewish nation from the bondage of the Romans. Between the two, however, this virtuous reformer and revolutionist lost his life. Mm. Chapter 4 the basis of cre- excuse me, Christianity, it is upon this plain narrative of facts, together with another case I am going to mention, that the Christian mythologists, calling themselves the Christian Church, have erected their fable which, for absurdity and extravagance, is not exceeded by anything that is to be found in the mythology of the ancients. The ancient mythologists tell us that the race of giants made war against Jupiter and that one of them threw a hundred rocks against him at one throw. That Jupiter defeated him with, one th- with thunder and confined him afterwards under Mount Etna. And that every time the giant turns himself, Mount Etna belches his fire. It is, he- it is here easy to see that the circumstances of the mountain, that of its being a volcano, suggested the idea of the fable. And that the fable is made to fit and wind itself up with that circumstance. The Christian mythologists tell that their Satan made war against the Almighty, who defeated him and confined him afterwards, not under a mountain, but in a pit. It is here easy to see that the first fable suggested the idea of the second, for the fable of Jupiter and the giants was told many hundred years before that of Satan. Thus, far the ancient and the Christian mythologists differ very little from each other but the latter have contrived to carry the matter much farther. They have contrived to connect the fabulous part of the story of Jesus Christ with the fable originating from Mount Etna. And in order to make all the parts of the story tied together, they have taken to their aid the traditions of the Jews, for the Christian mythology is made up partly from the ancient mythology and partly from the Jewish traditions. The Christian mythologists after having confined Satan into a pit, we were obliged to let him out again to bring on the sequel of the fable. Ah, uh, just a moment this where Slight technical difficulties. Just a moment. Oh. Alright, we're back. Technical difficulties here. Let's get back in order. Okay. The Christian mythologists, after having confined Satan in a pit, were obliged to let him out again to bring on the sequel of the fable. He is then introduced into the Garden of Eden in the shape of a snake or serpent. And in that shape, he enters into familiar conversation with Eve. Who is in no who is no ways surprised to hear a snake talk and the issue of this tete a tete i'm assuming that's a french thing yeah i'm assuming that's french tet a tet is that he persuades her to eat an apple and the eating of that apple damns all mankind After giving Satan this triumph over the whole creation, one would have supposed that the church mythologists would have been kind enough to send him back again to the pit, or, if they had not done this, that they would have put a mountain on top of him, for they say that their faith can remove a mountain, or have put him under a mountain, as the former mythologists had done, to prevent his getting again among the women and the doing more mischief. But instead of this, They leave him at large without even obliging him to give his parole, the secret of which is that they cannot do without him. Okay, the secret of which is that they cannot do without him. And after being at the trouble of making him, they bribed him to stay. They promised him all the Jews, all the Turks by anticipation, nine-tenths of the world beside and Muhammad into the bargain. After this, who can doubt the bountifulness of the Christian mythology? Having thus made an insurrection and a battle in heaven, in which none of the combatants could be either killed or wounded, put Satan into the pit, let him out again, giving him a triumph over the whole creation, damned all mankind by eating the apple, by the eating of an apple these Christian mythologists bring the two ends of their fable together. They represent this virtuous and amiable man, Jesus Christ, to be at once both God and man, and also the son of God, celestially begotten, on purpose to be sacrificed because they say that Eve and her longing had eaten an apple. Now, I'm an adult familiar with Adam and Eve, and I was raised in the Jehovah's Witness, which is a Christian science, if, if I'm not mistaken. Um, hearing this this way, it reiterates what, you know, you sit there and think while, you know, the brothers that are standing at the podium speaking, which is, are you knowing it is to be true in the first place? I'm taking your word for something that you took the word of for something that somebody else took the word of. I know what I feel. I know what I think. I'm, I'm pretty sure I got a good moral compass, but um, I think that sheep that they mentioned or the lamb that they refer to in the Bible, you know, it's just a image to portray um, to try to convince humankind to become sheep you know just go along be herded um, you know stay stick together while we're on this journey no you don't know where you're going and that's you know sounds like regular life but if there is a human being who is keeping you blinded and herded together And you're not even questioning it well i don't question the shepherd i I question the sheep chapter five examination in detail of the preceding basis putting aside everything that might excite laughter by its absurdity or detestation by its profaneness confining ourselves merely to an examination of the parts it is impossible to conceive a story more derogatory to the almighty more inconsistent with his wisdom more contradictory to his power than this story is in order to make for it a foundation to rise upon the inventors were under the necessity of giving to the being whom they call satan a power equally as great if not greater than they attribute to the almighty They have not only given him the power of liberating himself from the pit after what they call his fall, but they have made their power increase afterwards to infinity. Before this fall, they represent him only as an angel of limited existence, as they represent the rest. After his fall, he becomes, by their account, omnipresent. He exists everywhere and at the same time. He occupies the whole immensity of space. Not content with this deification of Satan, they represent him as defeating by stratagem in the shape of an animal of the creation, all the power and wisdom of the Almighty. They represent him as having compelled the Almighty to direct necessity, either of surrendering the whole of the creation to the government and sovereignty of this Satan, or of capitulating excuse me, capitulating for its redemption by coming down upon earth and exhibiting himself upon a cross in the shape of a man. Had the inventors of the story told it the contrary way, that is, had they represented the Almighty as compelling Satan to exhibit himself on a cross in the shape of a snake as a punishment for his new transgression, the story would have been less absurd, less contradictory. But... Instead of this, they make the transgressor triumph and the almighty fall. That many good men have believed this strange fable and lived very good lives under that belief. For credulity is not a crime, is what I have no doubt of. In the first place, they were educated to believe it, and they would have believed anything else in the same manner. There are also many who have been so enthusiastically enraptured by what they conceive to be the infinite love of God to man and making a sacrifice of himself that the vehemence of the idea has forbidden and deterred them from examining into the absurdity and profaneness of the story. The more unnatural anything is, the more it is capable of becoming the object of dismal admiration. Chapter 6 of the true theology. But if objects for gratitude and admiration are our desire, do they, not rep- do they not present themselves every hour to our eyes? Do we not see a fair creation prepared to receive us the instant we are born, a world furnished to our hands that cost us nothing? Is it we that light up the sun, that pour down the rain, and fill the earth with abundance. Whether we sleep or wake, the vast machinery of the universe still goes on. Are these things and the blessings they indicate in the future nothing to us? Can our gross feelings be excited by no other subjects than tragedy and suicide? Or is the gloomy pride of man become so intolerable that nothing can flatter it but a sacrifice to the creator? I know that this bold investigation will alarm many, but it would be paying too great a compliment to their credulity to forbear it on that account. The times and the subject demanded to be done. The suspicion that the theory of what is called the Christian church is fabulous is becoming very extensive in all countries, and it will be a consolation to men staggering under that suspicion and doubting what to believe and what to disbelieve. To see the subject freely investigated, I therefore pass on to an examination of the books called the Old and the New Testament. Examination of the Old Testament, Chapter 7. These books, beginning with Genesis and ending with Revelations, which, by the by, is a book of riddles that requires a revelation to explain it, are, we are told, the Word of God. It is, therefore, proper for us to know who told us that we may know what credit to give to the reporter. The answer to this question is that nobody can tell, except that we tell one another so. The case, however, historically appears to be as follows. When the church mythologists established their system, they collected all the writings they could find and managed them as they pleased. It is a matter altogether of uncertainty to us whether such of the writings as now appear under the name of the Old and the New Testament are in the same state in which those collectors say they found them, or whether they added, altered, abridged, or dressed them up. Be this as it may, they decided by vote which of the books out of the collections they had made should be the word of God and which should not. They rejected several. They voted others to be doubtful, such as the books called Apocrypha, and those books which had a majority of votes were voted to be the word of God. Had they voted otherwise, all the people since, calling themselves Christians, had believed otherwise. For the belief of the one comes from the vote of the other. Who the people were that did all this, we know nothing of. They call themselves by the general name of the church. And this is all we know of the matter. As we have no other external evidence or authority for dis- excuse me, for believing these books to be the word of God, then what I have mentioned, which is no evidence or authority at all, I come in the next place to examine the internal evidence contained in the books themselves. In the former part of this essay, I have spoken of revelation. Excuse me, I now proceed further with that subject. For the purpose of applying it to the books in question revelation is a communication of something which the person to whom that thing is revealed did not know before for if i have done a thing or seen it done it needs no revelation to tell me i have done it or seen it nor to enable me to tell it or to write it revelation therefore cannot be applied to anything done upon earth which man is himself the actor or the witness consequently, all the historical and anecdotal part of the Bible, which is almost the whole of it, is not within the meaning and compass of the word revelation and, therefore, is not the word of God. When Samson ran off with the gateposts of Gaza, if he ever did so, or when he visited his Delilah, or caught his foxes, or did anything else, what has revelation to do with these things? If they were facts... He could, tell him him, he could tell them himself, or his secretary, if he kept one, could write them, if they were worth either telling or writing. And if they were fictions, revelation could not make them true. And whether true or not, we are neither the better nor the wiser for knowing them. When we contemplate the immensity of that being who directs and governs the incom- incomprehensible whole... On which the utmost ken of humans, utmost kin of human sight can discover but a part, we ought to feel shame at calling such paltry stories the word of God. As to the account of the creation with which the book of Genesis opens, it has all the appearances of being a tradition which the Israelites had among them before they came into Egypt, and after the departure from that country. They put it at the head of their history, without telling, as it is most probable that they did not know, how they came by it. The manner in which the accounts opens shows it to be traditionary. It begins abruptly. It is nobody that speaks. It is nobody that hears. It is addressed to nobody. It has neither first, second, nor third person. It has every criterion of being a tradition. It has no voucher. Moses does not take it upon himself by introducing it with the formality that he uses on other occasions such as that of saying the lord spake unto Moses saying why it has been called the mosaic account of the creation i am at a loss to conceive moses i believe was too good a judge of such subjects to put his name to that account he had been educated among the egyptians who were people as well skilled in science and particularly in astronomy as many people of their day. And the silence and caution that Moses observes, and not authenticating the account, is a good negative evidence that he neither told it nor believed it. The case is that every nation of people has been world makers, and the Israelites had as much right to set up the trade of world making as any of the rest, and as Moses was not an Israelite, he might not choose to to contradict the tradition. The account, however, is harmless, and this is more than can be said from many other parts of the Bible. Whenever we read the obscene stories, the voluptuous debaucheries, the cruel and tortuous executions, the unrelenting vindictiveness with which more than half the Bible is filled, it would be more consistent that we call it the word of a demon than the word of God. It is a history of wickedness that has served to corrupt and brutalize mankind. And, for my own part, I sincerely detest it, as I detest everything that is cruel. We scarcely meet with anything, a few phrases accepted, but what deserves either our abhorrence or our contempt till we come to the miscellaneous parts of the Bible? In the anonymous publications, the Psalms, and the Book of Job, more particularly in the latter, we find a great deal of elevated sentiment reverentially expressed of the power and benignity benignity of the almighty almighty (laughs) but they stand on no higher rank than many other compositions on similar subjects as well before that time as since the proverbs which are said to be solomons though most probably a collection are an instructive table of ethics they are inferior and keen as to the proverbs of the spaniards and not more wise or economical than those of the american franklin All the remaining parts of the Bible, generally known by the name of the prophets, are the works of the Jewish poets and itinerant preachers who mix poetry, anecdote, and devotion together, and those works still retain the air and style of poetry, though in translation. There is not, throughout the whole book called the Bible, any word that describes to us what we call a poet, nor any word that describes what we call poetry. The case is that the word prophet, to which later times have affixed a new idea, was the Bible word for poet, and the word prophesying meant the art of making poetry. It has also meant the art of playing poetry to tune upon any instrument of in music. We read of prophesying with pipes to bray and horns, of prophesying with harps and psalteries and cymbals and with every other instrument of music than in fashion. Were we now to speak of prophesying with a fiddle, or with a pipe and a tabor? The expression would have n- no meaning, or would, have, or would appear ridiculous, and to some people contemptuous, because we have changed the meaning of the word. We are told of Saul being among the prophets, and also that he prophesied, but we are not told what they prophesied, nor what he prophesied. The case is, there was nothing to tell. But there for these prophets were a company of musicians and poets. And Saul joined in the concert, and this was called prophesying. The account given of this affair in the book called Samuel is that Saul met a company of prophets. A whole company of them, coming down with a psaltery, a tabre, a pipe, and a harp. And that they prophesied, and that he prophesied with them. But it appears afterwards that Saul prophesied badly that is he performed his part badly for it is said that an evil spirit from God came upon Saul and he prophesied now were there no other passage in the book called the bible than this to demonstrate to us that we have lost the original meaning of the word prophecy and substituted another meaning in its place this alone would be sufficient, for it is impossible to use and apply the word prophecy in the place it is here used and applied. If we give it to, if we give to it the sense which later times have affixed to it, the manner in which it is here uses used strips, The manner in which it is here used strips it of all religious meaning, and shows that a man might then be a prophet, or he might prophesy as he may now be a poet or a musician without any regard to the morality or the immorality of his character. The word was originally a term of science, promiscually applied to poetry and to music, and not restricted to any subject upon which poetry and music might be exercised. Deborah, Deborah and Barak are called prophets, not because they predicted anything, but because they composed a poem or song that bears their name in celebration of an act already done. David is ranked among the prophets, for he was a musician and was also reputed to be the author of the Psalms. But Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are not called prophets. It, did that, excuse me, it does not appear from any account that we have that they could either sing, play music, or make poetry. We are told of the greater and the lesser prophets. They might as well tell us of the greater and the lesser God, but there cannot be degrees in prophesying consistently with its modern sense. But there are degrees in poetry, and therefore the phrase is reconcilable to the case when we understand by it the greater and the lesser poets. It is altogether unnecessary after this to offer any observations upon what those men, our prophets, have written, The act goes at once to the root by showing that the original meaning of the word has been mistaken and consequently all the inferences that have been drawn from those books, the devotional respect that has been paid to them and the labored commentary that has been written upon them under that mistaken meaning are not worth disputing about. In many things, however, the writings of the Jewish poets deserve a better fate than that of being bound up as they now are with the trash that accompanies them under the abused name of the word of God. If we permit ourselves to conceive right ideas of things, we must necessarily affix the idea not only of unchangeableness, but of the utter impossibility of any change taking place, by any means or accident whatever, and that which we would honor it with the name of the word of God. And therefore, the word of God cannot exist in any written or human language. The continually progressive change to which the meaning of words is subject, the want of an universal language which renders translation necessary, the errors to which translations are again subject, the mistakes of copyists and printers, together with the possibility of willful alteration, are of themselves evidence that human language, whether in speech or in print, cannot be the vehicle of the Word of God. The Word of God exists in something else. Did the book called the Bible excel in purity of ideas and expression, all the books now extant in the world? I would not take it from my rule of faith as being the word of God, because the possibility would nevertheless exist of my being imposed upon. But when I see throughout the greatest part of this book scarcely anything but a history of the grossest vices and a collection of the most paltry and contemptible tales, I cannot just honor my creator by calling it by his name. I think we'll stop there. Um, as I had every intention to actually stop. Periodically in the reading. Um, but. uh And we squeeze one more chapter in there. we'll leave it here <laughs> chapter 8 would be of the New Testament so we'll touch back on that um, next week but i like to you know just give my thoughts on what I'm reading so far um, if anything one might assume that uh not one I, I'd assume that I had wrote this in some form or fashion as um like taking the thoughts right out of my head and putting them on paper. Um, not to be a skeptic, but conformity is not one of my strong suits. Um. So when it came to you know church and the tradition of church, um, I failed tremendously um, at living up to set expectations. Um. And as most Of those, uh, you know, community members in those churches fail to do living up to those expectations, make believe at the least, um, or, you know, a great ideal of how a person could potentially be, but too restrictive. Um, His take on the Bible um, or the term, the word of God, I found to be highly interesting. Um, As a child, I was taught to believe that the Bible was a a book that was written by man, but inspired by God. But then you get older and, you know, hopefully being a free thinker, if you are, kind of causes you to start asking questions like, well, Does God really pick and choose who he talks to? I mean, he has every right, too. There's his business. But if it's a message he's trying to get out to everybody, would he really only tell one person? On top of that, you know, his, uh, his take on the mythologists creating Christianity, uh, basing it off of the Greek, Roman, and the Egyptian lore um, of celestial you know beings you know or a man being born of God Hercules if you will son of God but a man um, to turn around and, and call that whatever it is it's just I don't know um seems deeper, you know, than you, you, you think it is, but it is not. It's, it's actually pretty straightforward. Uh, if I wrote a book and in that book I wrote that, you know, God made the sky green and the grass blue, didn't put my name on it and convinced enough people that this was the quote unquote word of God. Well, who would be there to tell me that I was lying? You have to make sense of how you could hear a guy talking to me. I, you know, it it does get a little redundant after a while when you when you think far enough into it, um, and it's like that across the board with all the religions, um, with the Jewish religion being the first in line. Uh, These same, you know. Um, members denounce Jesus as an you know an entire person. Not that he didn't exist, just that he wasn't the Messiah. So then you get the creation of Christians and they're saying, well yeah he was the Messiah. And scratch that, turn that around and then you get the uh your Muslim of the Islamic faith stating that um everybody's wrong. And 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 only Muhammad is is the answers to any of this. Um, conceptualizing that as a proxy to gain power um, and financial gain um, to enslave people, it's like uh, passive aggressiveness. Um, Granted, they did get extremely violent, you know, where no one will forget the Crusades. Um, If anyone has actually read the Bible and they go through the account, um, you know, after Moses had freed all the slaves of Egypt, he then went into uh, an agreement Uh, and I'm having a blank as I'm trying to think of the name of the king that he went into an agreement with, but they went into agreement to then go into war. Um, a small number of the Israelites versus a large number of whomever they were going against and then they decided that they was going to start enslaving, rape, first they killed men, enslaved and raped the women, broke off peace, you know, of whatever the bounty was to whomever the king was that the agreement was made, you know, like hit men for hire Um, you know, when you really looking at the words, you know as a concept, you know, the Bible seems amazing, but uh, as I mentioned, as an ordained minister, I I do not just go around quoting things out of the Bible over the nearly, nor do I care to push any biblical scripture on anyone. Um, Yes, I do refer to it Um, just as I'm referring to the Age of Reason parts one and two by Thomas Paine somebody somewhere had a thought and conceptualized it oh looks like we're nearing the end of the uh ne- nearing the end of the hour here but uh yeah they conceptualized it um worse comes to worse yeah we we'll, we we'll, we'll pick this back up on the uh, alarm to me off there as we pick this back up on the uh Next week episode. Um, don't be afraid to think. I'm going to repeat. Do not be afraid to think. Um, You know. I won't say. You know. Ooh, but a wise person once said. That most people don't think past their own thoughts. Right. Your initial thought. You know turns into your initial action. And then all actions have consequences. But you didn't think of the consequences before you made the action. Why? Because you didn't think past your initial thought. Um, I promote reading the Bible, I do not promote adhering to it. Um, it is a great read. Um, just hearing them saying how uh, prophesy was the original word for poetry. Oh, that makes so much sense. Again, he wrote this book 200, over 200 years ago. And me being a a, a 90s born child, um, hip hop played a big influence in my life. Tupac, Biggie, you know, Big Pun, Jay-Z, Nas. These, these are poets. And we hold them in a reverence the same reverence that we held or that we assume that people held the prophets of their time but if all the prophets did was make music and write poetry they were you know performing arts well I guess it wouldn't be too far off for Jay-Z to call himself a prophet you know as far as you know the origin of the word Um, this has been interesting I I really 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 want to read or finish reading the rest of this book Um, at the moment I am reading this in real time um, with you guys so this is interesting Um, But yeah we'll pick back up on chapter 8 next week um Forget to check out the website, chase life720.com. Store will be up very, very soon. Uh we're working out a few kinks. You know, I had to go see a man about a horse. Um, what else? Check out our YouTube channel, uh, Chase Life720 Media. Chase Life All One Word, Space 720 Media, all one word. That's 720 M E D I A. Um Trying to think if there was anything else i'm forgetting you guys again i want to make sure i give you if not the full hour close to it but i also don't want to just drag you out um i'll leave you with this from what i've experienced in my few short years of uh of existence you will find that there are things that feel right but you know are wrong and things that are you, you know are right but feel wrong don't be afraid to fail the worst thing that could happen is you just didn't succeed that time till we meet again you guys take care of yourself